The subject matter of the first four books of the New Testament is Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us the story of how God was alive in Jesus. And the subject matter, the topic of the fifth book of the Bible, is the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts tells us how the Holy Spirit was God's presence alive amongst the people. Hear then these words from Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day there were about 3,000 persons added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. And they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. May God bless this reading to our understanding. I like to walk very early in the morning before the sun comes up, and I really enjoy walking on the trolley trail, which is just a few blocks from my home. The trail meanders through Waldo and Brookside and down to the plaza. It's a beautiful trail along these beautiful row of huge trees and these beautiful 100-year-old homes. And the place I step onto the trail is the place where there's a little pedestrian bridge. A couple of weeks ago, at five-something in the morning, I stepped under the bridge to discover a woman about my age sleeping under the bridge. She asked my neighbor and me if we could help her. She explained that her pastor was sending someone to pick her up in a little while, but her phone had no charge. Could we please take her phone and charge it up so that she could give them the exact directions to her location. We took the phone, we charged it up at a nearby restaurant, got her a little breakfast, and when we turned the phone to her, she said to us, thank you, God bless you. You know, I think my pastor told me that you would be coming. She said that there would be two of you. As I turned and walked back a few blocks to my home, I thought, Surely she is struggling with some mental health challenges because I don't know her pastor. I don't know her church. We knew nothing about it. But then I thought, it's probably great that she has a community. She has a church connection, someone who will carry her to safety this day. Today's scripture lesson tells us about the first people who gathered together in a community called church. The passage from Acts tells a joyful and uplifting story about how the members of the first church hung out together. 
The story from Acts tells us that those first church members were cut to the heart, filled with awe, and they were baptized into the community of faith. We learn about the early activities of that first church, how they broke bread together in one another's homes, how they took care of anyone in the community that had needs, how they prayed together and learned about God's ways together, and the church grew by the thousands. I love the synergy in this story, the unity and connection and power of these people coming together. You know, the founders of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, of which this congregation is a part, wanted to capture that synergy and energy of this story of the church in Acts and bring it forward into a modern-day church. The church that they attempted to establish on the American frontier was meant to be a movement to echo this harmony and vitality. And really, when you read the story of the church in Acts, I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of that community? The church, it says, is for everyone, for you, for your children, and for those who are far off. The church takes care of its members, those who believed held all things in common, and they would sell their possessions and their goods and distribute the proceeds to any who had needs. That church was about friendship. Day by day, they gathered in the temple, spending much time together. And when I read that line, I wonder if in that early church, as they gathered in what would have been their parlor after the temple service, if one member of the family was chatting to everyone in the room while the other member of the family was standing outside, tapping his watch, wondering if we're going to make it to brunch. The early church had that kind of synergy that pulled people together. They had dinner parties where they celebrated with glad and generous hearts, which makes me think of a table set with figs and pomegranates and wine and baked bread. Well, over the last 18 months, we have missed this kind of communal aspect to church. While our streamed worship is absolutely powerful and our online classes and meetings are very efficient and very uplifting, still, though, it would be nice to stand in the parlor over a cup of coffee and rejoice with the friend who just received negative results on the biopsy or stand and weep with the friend whose mom just passed to COVID a few weeks ago. Nowadays, when someone is in the hospital, we are unable to just stop by the hospital and hold her hand and say a prayer before surgery. And we can't just stop by a retirement community to serve communion to someone who used to sit next to us in the pews. And when someone has a new baby, we can't just drop by unannounced with some little blue booties and a casserole and hold the baby and coo. We have missed tutoring to the children at Hartman and serving dinner to those who are food insecure. And we, as a people, have begun to long for community, to hunger for the ways that we used to find comfort and joy in the presence of one another. There was a study released in July that looked at the effects of social isolation on our general population. They studied 185,000 people over 10 months during the middle of the pandemic. And they found that even after the most severe restrictions on our movement were lifted, 
that social isolation was felt at an increasing rate because the effects of this distancing are cumulative. One researcher commented that it takes a while to heal the social fabric. They learned that increased social isolation correlates to increased depression, both the moderate and severe forms. Another study showed that increased social isolation correlates to increased falling in the home. But here's the part of the study that fascinated me. Across all the various measures of social isolation, those who attended religious services reported less social isolation. And those with frequent participation in religious life recovered more quickly from the angst of social isolation. Now, that's a fancy study, but it just confirms what we all know in our gut. We need each other. We need each other physically, socially, mentally, and spiritually. We are made to be together. Or as Howard Thurman puts it, community is the native climate of the human spirit. And whenever community is ruptured, some precious part of us perishes. And so that is why today we celebrated baby dedications at the 901 and baptisms at the 11 o'clock. In the act of dedicating the babies, we proclaim to the families that they are not alone in raising their children, that we promise to walk alongside them in the sacred task of shaping those innocent babies into mature people of faith. We promise to embrace these children not only in their precious toddler years, but in their trying teenage years as well. And in the act of baptism, we, we express that God has claimed this person and welcomed this person into the community of faith. Tyler and I, a moment ago, we used our own hands to lower this person into the water and to lift this person up. But our hands symbolize the arms of this community of faith because you are the ones who will catch each member as he falls and lift each member up as she celebrates the joys of this life. Baptism, then, is not simply a moment of joining one's heart to God. It is also a moment into the immersion into the community of faith. Today, we have released two books that tell stories of community. The children's book, that the children received at 10 o'clock and which all of our church families will receive in the coming weeks is a story about the meaning and the purpose of the church. It was written by Haley Holt, who herself was dedicated and baptized right here. And the other book, it's a biography about you. It tells the story written by Lena Place of the first 100 years of our congregation because it is here that community formed and reformed and thrived and grew. And this is a community that was many times imperfect, but always a community. When I first came to the church in 1988, there was a woman who was very active in the life of the church named Carol Garrett. Carol sang in the church choir. She was active in a Sunday school class and in the singles events. And 
Carol had been diagnosed with a severe mental illness that interrupted her PhD coursework when she was in her early to mid-20s. And having no family and no resources, no living relatives, Carol became a ward of the state. And Carol could do some bizarre stuff. Like, I remember when it was almost time for her birthday, she would bring around to me a list of the items she would like to receive for her birthday. And on the list was usually a $150 silk nightgown from Hall's department store. She was very direct about things. And she would often ask a choir member to give her a ride after choir was over. And then on the way home, she would say, oh, can we stop at the grocery so I can pick up some cigarettes? And then an hour later, that person was still sitting in their car waiting for her to come out. Sometimes Carol had to be hospitalized in order to become stable again. And so many times the church staff and the church choir and the various Sunday school class became frustrated and exasperated with Carol and her behavior and with the system of care in our city that failed her. But what I saw repeatedly over the years was the church's ability to reveal the love of God in human form in Carol's life. In tender acts of persistence and resilience and unrelenting patience and friendship and care, even when Carol got a credit card in the mail and booked a trip to the Bahamas, the church stepped in and helped sort things out. When Carol died of cancer, Bob Cuny was our senior minister, and the day of her funeral, this room was full. Because in the end, Carol made us community. We helped her, sure, but she helped us. She helped us remember that we hold all things in common, that we are called to be together. We saved her, and she saved us. Last Tuesday night, we had the state of the church under the tent in the backyard, and we celebrated what has gone well during the church in the last bizarre year that we have been through, and it was a rich and uplifting meeting, but what I noticed was that when the meeting was over, people didn't leave. They stood around visiting for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just talking because we hunger to be together, to be a community. The number one thing people told me they valued about our church when I interviewed folks a couple of years back was friendship, relationships. My husband is a psychologist, and he often says we are broken in relationships and we are healed in relationships. The book of Acts then recalls the day when relationships not only healed the people but saved them. Although, you know, in the Bible, healing and saving are really the same word which means to be made whole story of the birth of the church in the book of Acts is the story of the saving power of community to make people whole. The preacher in the book of Acts says, save yourselves, but if we were to read it in Greek, we would realize that what it really says is to let yourself be saved, show up, and let the Holy Spirit do its work through this community and the passage from Acts ends by saying, And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being 
saved, made whole. You see, it was God's doing at work among them. The Lord made them whole by bringing them into the community. And so community is not optional. It's not a nice add-on. We need community in order to experience God's salvation, in order to let God make us whole. When I was 11 years old, I gave my life to Christ at a campfire meeting in East Texas. But it is the church that has saved me again and again and again. When over the years I gathered with many of you in Colorado at Christian Community Camp and on the final night when we lit candles and sang songs and revealed through tears our secret pals to one another, then I was saved. And on mission trips to Nicaragua when we gathered in a tacky motel on the final night and shared a communion meal of day-old corn tortillas and canned Coca-Cola and shared through tears about the power of working amongst the poorest of the poor, building homes and running medical clinics. In that moment, I was again saved. Countless other times in the hallways of this church, in this sanctuary and in this chapel, and yes, even in the parking lot meetings after the meetings. This church continues to save me and make me whole. As we muddle through this ongoing pandemic, it is impossible to know what the shape of Christian community will look like going forward. What form will it take in this digital era? We simply do not know after 2,000 years of Christians gathering together in community and after 100 years of Christians gathering together here at the corner of 61st and Ward Parkway, how will the Spirit blow through us next and shape us into community? I do not have the answer. But I am pretty sure that that lady I met sleeping under the bridge on the trolley trail was really right after all. I think she spoke the truth when she said, I think my pastor told me that you would be coming by, two of you, one 